With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of The Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price.
or you have stripes and stars and all kinds of things and bars and brackets going on on your uniform and carts and emblems and shields to show how much you have achieved. You don't ever sacrifice enough while you're still in service to say, I'm opting out of obeying the order. That's not how it works. That's not how it works on earth. So you know that's not how it works with the Lord. Uh, when you're in his, we're, we're soldiers, we're in the military, we're in the army of the Lord. We're all those things that we, we used to say that. We, we don't, you know, now we're the family of God. But coming up, the I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. You know, as kids, we were grown to be in the service of the Lord. I, I find it interesting how many young people that I grew up with that are in full-time ministry. It's actually pretty shocking. The number of uh, teenagers and, and kids that we had was a very large amount. And how many have still dedicated their service unto the Lord? And we were really groomed to believe and understand that you were born to give back to God. You were put on the planet to give something to him. And now we've reversed it to where it's all about what can I get from God? And if I get these things, then I will give back. We have this whole mentality of reciprocity here that if he does for me, then I will do for him. And the more he blesses me, the more I will serve him. And as long as my family is happy, then I will give unto him. And let me tell you, I did own the audio Bible. And that word, it, it is powerful. It is quick. It is sharp. I felt cut. Cut, cut, cut. But I was listening. Where, where am I? Uh, Mark. You know, Matthew. Uh, Luke. Luke. And Luke. And just to hear... The parable has gone through, especially one after another. You know, we listen and we cherry pick and we pick things that like the devotion we're reading for today. But it's something about hearing a continual thought from anybody that you realize who they are. People said a whole lot of things about God Christ before social media. Well, I heard her say she said, and it was very hard to refute the lies, lies of people out there. Once social media rolled out and people could hear her for themselves, they realized, oh, so-and-so was never telling the truth. Or they were mad. Or they mangled what was said. They misinterpreted it. They flat out changed it. Whatever. And so whenever you hear the word of God, I can see my faith does come by hearing you hear by the word of God because you can buy in when you hear God's continual, his whole thought on that. And as I was going through it, and Jesus, he, as we, we say around here, he was a salty man. Jesus was the salty. He said we are the salt of the earth. Salt is salty. It is not sweet. And somehow, we have replaced, we are the salt of the earth, with we are the sweetener of the earth. This is food full of sugar. Makes medicine go down. Well, if we just sweeten it, if we just change it, then people will be more likely to receive it. That's really what we've done with the gospel. If you take the salt, which is preservation, I mean, salt is a whole bunch of things. The body itself is just you just, did y'all get locked up? Did y'all get tight? So they got need something to drink. Where is the, when something is too salty? Yeah? When it's not salty and it's too bland? Like, oh, well, the doctor put me in a low sodium diet. Uh, everybody just says, I'm sorry. Because <laughs> that means you're not going to enjoy anything that you are about to eat for the next six years of your life or the rest of your life. But hey, you're going to be alive. And so what we've done in the body of Christ is we've kind of made this low sodium content. 
gospel. We've taken the salt out. We've diminished it into low sodium broth and low sodium this and low sodium. And so we think that people are spitting this thing out because it's too hard. It's too hammer. But they don't want it because it's not the authentic gospel. Anybody go sugar substitutes? Man, come on. Don't try to slide that past me. Just tell me. Oh, no. Apostle, you're not even going to realize. Yes, I am. And if you can tell me, I would hate to say, well, what, what, what is it? There's um, something. Listen, give me the truth. Give me the real. Let me decide. Okay? But don't substitute. And that's what we've done. We put in sugar substitutes, salt substitutes. We put in all these substitutes. Like this is a Mrs. Dash moment where we want people to not get the real but feel like they have the real. And they're letting us know this isn't real. This is not the real gospel. The real gospel, people were convicted by the gospel. It was the power of Jesus Christ in that word that drove them to repentance. It wasn't some apostle beating them outside the head. It was the word doing its job. And the more we get back to the actual word of God, as he wrote it, as he said it, as it was dictated to his apostles and prophets, the more we see. How do we know? When you go into churches like ours and others that are out there that are unapologetic, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we don't apologize, we don't change the water down for it, dilute it, explain it so you feel better. These are some of the most powerful things in the kingdom. Strong. Joyful. The fruit of the Spirit abound in our conversation. People just go full of joy and love and there's peace. And people come and they tell us. They tell us, this is just so happy. They're just so joyful. And it confuses them because the word is so strong. They're so confused, Dr. confused Because the word is so strong. And it's so strong. They're taught, that we're taught, as our president said, that strong is wrong. That's what we're taught. So when strong is wrong, then people should be proud beaten and we should walk around just... And no, and they come in here, oh, your, your, your congregation is proud, but this is something kick the children will embarrass you listen. They will tell you, that's not wrong, Apostle Ashley, but you need to know, I went to school, and they did Halloween, kids get sent home from school, because they tell their friends, that's the devil, and I would have just let me know, not it in the school system, that's not Jesus, that's not what we do, to the kids tell each other, how can you say you're a Christian, you believe in Santa Claus, Santa Claus is not Jesus, oh yes they do, they run it down, now. At four and five years old, being sent home, bless God. <laughs> so, we have to send little Johnny home because he's in a Santa Claus. You know, Santa Claus isn't real. Come on. And so, you're raising up the next generation, but teaching that real, true gospel is what we have to do. Add that song. Salt it up. Because people are not preserved because we don't have the salt. We're not being the salt. We're not preserving. Why did so many churches close last year? It was the government. Because our president got fired then. You're fired. Oh. And we're going to send out pink slips in the veil of a pandemic. Shoot, 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 shoot. You don't have to come back. You're done. 
Thank you for your service. No, thank you for your service because you didn't give me anything. And you gave me less than nothing. And I don't even know what this is. And see, we have skipped over all of the parables that talk about Jesus throwing things back into the water. Cut this thing down. It's not giving me any fruit. It's all in Scripture. What we're living right now is, and for those of you addicted to that New Testament holy lifestyle, isn't there too? Oh, it's really in there. Old Testament, he's going to send out a kick to slaughter a whole nation. Useless. Take him out. New Testament is going to be in a parable. No, one full parable. He can't get it. He can't his life. And you're like, ooh. Okay, so you gave me nothing. You gave me zero return on my investment. We're going to take it, your ministry, and giving it to someone else. Somebody huge. He's just going to make them bigger. But Lord, you're already big. This is the parable. But I mean, I heard that you were a mean God. That you were, yet if you heard I was mean, oh, yeah, that I came and reaped where I didn't sow, then why are you acting out? That's my turn now. Why are you acting out? Why are you afraid? God, snatch. So I've heard prophecy for years of the Lord dumping organizations and ministries into ours. First of all, we were like, we weren't even in a location that could have that. Okay. Now we are. Come on. We are most aware. This is the light off for you here. Okay. And we thought, what could precipitate ministry shutting down in that? What in the world, what in the world literally could happen to facilitate that type of prophecy? Because, see, you can talk to yourself into thinking it's your ego. First of all, we've been so crushed like patterns. <laughs> it's my ego does. You're trying to encourage yourself to get up to preach a sermon. I promise you that wasn't ego talk. You're trying to encourage yourself to get up and lead praise and worship in your house with your family, much like the congregation. So we kept thinking, what in the world could happen to where that would happen? And then everybody, what's this whole thing about quarantine? Quarantine, it's like a thing with this plague, right? Put people in the outskirts. That's biblical. You know, somebody with leprosy or something out there. Mary had to be put outside of the camp when God struck her down with leprosy and everything. And so, we put the people in what? So, here we 2020. And what people thought was going to be four six weeks was like, nah. <laughs> Okay, and I forget that so much of the world is still on lockdown. You know, we have overcome here, and we're free, open. Tulsa's been open since last May, and and I mean, we thought had 15 minutes with the mask mandate. Like, what are you talking about? Bandit, which we're not doing. But so we we've been out there. There were people come here who happen who live in cities that are locked down. It's like, oh my goodness, you guys can eat in restaurants. We're like, are you kidding me? In a restaurant, we packed in there. We did not understand the chain of events that would precipitate this type of manifestation. In a time where so many people are losing, I'm looking at the people who have stood for Jesus Christ daily. Well, property, members, ghosts. We think that Goshen is only geographic, but I'm telling you right now, Goshen is also a, a matter of where you are in your obedience. Obedience is the land of Goshen. Uh-huh. 
wherever you are obeying God. That's just where we're jumping and hitting people all around us. The sun is shining over here. And those connected to us, many of us. And so when the word of the Lord comes out, to be years ahead of even the set of circumstances that need to happen to facilitate its manifestation. But this is why we've got to be the salt. We have to preach this gospel the way it was written. Because you know, people out here walking around talking about this is God, that's not God. He, no, he never endorsed that. No. Let's decode this thing. Let's decipher this thing. I remember years ago, Dr. Craig teaching about the prophet being the cipher uh, with the word of God in those mysteries. You insert that prophet's mantle, and all of a sudden, it decodes. They then, I remember, I remember teaching training. And the apostles' training being that architectural uh, mantle that is like, this is the blueprint. This is the way. This is the strategy. This is how it's going to happen. The strategy. How it's going to happen. And lay that out. So we getting in our place is positioning the body of Christ to get it right. Can we get it right? Can we get it right? Don't listen to these uh, parables and, and what the Lord is saying. And I'm thinking, yeah, we're not in the Word. Okay. I mean, we've gone from, okay, just press the New Testament only, Psalms and Proverbs, if somebody's really deep. So <laughs> now, then they bring it down to the gospel. And you can tell they're not reading the gospel. And then we have the message book, guys, because I would used to call it a Bible, the message book, and all these other translations and interpretations that down interpret all these things into the least common level of truth. When you do comparative reading of the word from original text to much of what we have, I'm like, it's no wonder the church is lost. This is not what God said. Now, His Holy Spirit is powerful. And he still speaks to his people. And he can bypass a lot of error. But when you have that congregational offness in error, then you have a problem. It's almost sitting there thinking, yeah, I can see how you're getting a lot accomplished at this time, Lord. Cleaning judgment starts in the house of God. The whole head is sick. I mean, we, we now we'll quote it. How, how is judgment going to start in the house of God? They were, they were deemed non-essential. That's a judgment in the house of the Lord. Not essential, but the president had to come in and say, I'm sorry, I'm not sorry, actually. The church is an essential service. But because we became so user-friendly, we just user-friendly. Just use us, and we'll use you, and we'll just all be friendly about it. We don't want to be complicated. Have you seen what it takes to join religion? Yeah. Well, my God. What it takes to convert to a religion, pick any of these other ones out there. They don't apologize. It's a process. They will tell you, I'm going to tell them, tell them somebody who's going to convert um, to something. I, I think it was actually Islam. And the uh, Imam or whatever, whomever said, no. What do you mean? No, because I think you're doing this to follow your wife or spouse or boyfriend or whatever. Yeah. Not because you actually believe in the principles. Now, these are, uh, and see, we get beat upside the head because we allow ourselves to be beat upside the head about our standards and our principles and what the word of the Lord says and we're not going to repent and all that legalistic and can respect other people's standards and other gods and other deities. Right. You say, oh, no, you just, you have to be willing to walk away from everything to 
upon. But Jesus said that. Jesus said it first. Uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus, your mama, your brother died. Uh, um, Jesus had to deal with this. He's out here having his ministry moment. He's trying to get his thing down to the Lord. Uh, honey, son, Jesus, your mom, your brothers are out here. Man, who, who is? And then he proceeds to laugh. Will you read how he is? Like, no. I'm going to be the stumbling stone, the rock of the fence. Mothers against daughters, fathers against sons, and aunties against nieces and nephews. Nieces and nephews. So family cousin against cousin. Jesus enters into the picture, and he said it when he was here. I'm going to blow up everything that doesn't belong to me, and even things that do. We're all tested to see, are we really in this for Christ, or are we in this for us? Yeah, there you go. He had to. I was listening. He's praying, guarding against something. You can tell they did not. I used to go thinking, oh, how can they leave Jesus hanging? They see you just hanging all night. That's a little thing. How can they leave him hanging in the garden like that? Taking that little thing? Because they didn't think he would actually die. This is a man that they saw walk on water in his door. You just pop it out. I mean, you talk about drug ass, just boom, 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 big pop out, and just run it out. Just run it out to the rock delivery. Boom, boom. Send this over here, send this over there. Multiplying food. The man was literally invincible. And now he says he's really going to die. Okay. This must be another parable. Got you. Tomorrow we'll ask the master, what does this mean? And he, I mean, he begged God, the Lord, to send an angel to strengthen him. Because he, he was at this time. Whether it's in your possession or your actual last breath, for me, everybody has to pay the same kind of price. You can't tell me that from the minute that I said yes to the Lord, everything blew up in my life. That means you're going to That's difficult. Jesus stepped into his ministry, had issues with the fam, issues with the whatever, and, and, and everything. Now, does it stay that way? I don't know. It depends on your life. It depends on... There were things in my family, I'm like, not up for discussion. This is who I am. Been this way for a long time. This is who I will always be. Off. This is off subject. We're not, we're not, this is off limits. We're not talking about this. The election, we're not talking about this. Yes, we're not talking about that. If you want to talk to me, we can talk about so many things, but this is not it. And so, and then it, uh, you know, so you want to talk to me now? Well, fine. But uh, like the word of the Lord says, who's my family? Right. Yeah. Everybody here. We're doing the word of the Lord. We're doing his will. We're doing, we're doing it. And so he's like, are you kidding me? I create everybody. I can make a family in a minute. That's God's mentality. I am the creator. We, we learn him. God plays the son. Adam could not accept that God would give him another wife. And so he followed that one in disobeying God. Now, he already pulled her out of his body. I mean, come on. That's pretty deep. Maybe he didn't want to give up another rape. I don't know. He's like, I kind of... I mean, come on. The Lord could pull some out of the tree for this man if he wanted to. And so he couldn't have that in many... People don't have that kind of faith in God to believe that if they sacrifice the thing that they prize the most, that God will give them another one, a better version. 
version. People ask me all the time, how can you do this and how can you do that? I said to uh, somebody recently on a bike and I was like, for years I had bemoaned the fact that my parents were divorced and my dad wasn't in the house growing up and, and just whining and crying and whining and crying in my soul and all this drama. And I was probably, I don't know, 20, how old was I? Maybe 25 years old, 22, something like that. And I was going through my script. Don't we have the script? And you know, I got to see my friends, and, and they, their parents had money, and my dad, and his son, and I just said, my life would have been so much better, and the Lord said, are you sure that's true? Right. Right. So, I was like, uh, see, I do. The answer was no. <laughs> but in all the years, I had been whining and crying, I was very silent. And you can tell he was done with that delusion yeah. in my mind. And I was like, well, and I just ran down my logic, and he ran down his logic. He said, but you would not have been this, and you would not have been that, and you would not have been available to me the way I needed you to be available to me. Cricket. So people get on our necks about what we sacrificed for this and whatever, and you could have been married, and you could have had kids, and you could have done this by now, and you could have done that by now. I'm like, are you sure? I just adopted that mentality. That's fantasy talking. That's still not reality. That's still not reality. You could have done this in a business. Are you sure it would have worked? Are you sure? Well, I mean, no. You're talking fantasy. You're talking doctrine. We're talking all of these things. But I'm talking reality and what I had in store for my life, which is not your life. Or maybe it was supposed to be your life and you couldn't do it or wouldn't do it. But you have got to loosen your mind that mentality of doing things the status quo, normal way, would have worked for you. Because if that's not what God has been on your life, it would not have worked. And it didn't work for many people. And it took maybe 10 15 years to come to the conclusion that that one misstep threw you all off the right path for what God has for you. And waiting for what God has for you in the seasons in which he has this for you is the best thing. I don't care what it is. It could be a new car. You want that high-level bed? The car I have now is the newest car I've ever had. And when I got it, I was like two years old. I always had used cars. Always looked at nice cars and whatever. But hey, God miraculously provided for me all of the stuff left. And Dr. Price said, in the season in which God, when you're not going to have to sweat it financially, that's when He's going to bless you with the new. And that's exactly what happened. And until then, I was very thankful, excited. At my 
miracle. Uh, a miracle car. Sweet ride. All the bells and whistles. Every button works. Let me tell you something. I'm going to leave in. When you had it, I said to the Lord that night when I was uh, thinking about the new car, actually before, I said to the Lord, I said, look, my next car, I just have one request. Every button works. Yes. And the AC. Thing to the girl when it was time for her breakthrough. They wanted it to not work. 
And so one of the reasons I knew it because God told me he put us so y'all walk away because y'all think y'all know everything. And y'all be buying that line and if he did it for one, he did it for everybody at the same time. But if he did, we'd all look the same. We'd all love talk past and believe the same. The fact that we're different means that we have different ways, plans, and methods. So when he gave her to me, he said, I'm gonna give you her, she's gonna be a daughter to you and she's never gonna leave you. Now that's a big deal. Yeah. He said, she's going to say that you have a daughter, not, you know, spiritual, not as a daughter. And so, through his word, and I mean, in the beginning, we just, we had it, but he kept saying, she's having, he said, it's time to move her out of her family tree legacy. So this is why I read, this is she, she just, she just has self-profit, it's capital P, rotate P. Yes. Okay. Uh, so when he sent her to me, this is what he said. He said, I'm giving you another daughter and a true daughter. Not telling you I have three daughters. So, you know, I was like, yeah, Jesus, sure about this. But even my three daughters, nothing. They take her as a sister. So I knew God had entered her into yeah. our family church. But then it got to the point that I started seeing the weirdest things happen to this woman. And I said, okay, so this is really the generation spirit. And year after year, we push back on that spirit in our life. A lot of times, you think God has you with somebody so that you can get you can get big and you get what you want. But sometimes, you gotta shift your your family tree because the, the, what's on your tree will not let what He wants to happen with you. And I'm telling you, I I have a mom too. If a mother was here, she would tell you the same thing. She said, "I've taken my daughter as far as I can take her as a natural mother." I'm giving it to you. Yeah. I don't have a lot of mothers that got sense enough to do that. And they see that the kids out but they probably have them wallowing with them down. And, you know. So she so year after year, and I mean we push back on a lot of things because whatever the program was on this particular genetic merger of the family, that thing was really tough, but she was called. And when you're called, God will pull you out of the family tree to make sure that you're in his destiny. And so he called her. And so she, and I mean, she would be, and I know the devil would not know that is not, no, that doesn't happen to me. No, no, I won't allow that. Blah, blah, blah. I'm telling you. And so when we get to this car thing, you know, we don't, I kept telling them about right now, I have a fixed job, you know, she, and she, actually she's really one of those obedient mentees, you know, I don't have a whole lot of obedient mentees, I have a lot of assenting mentees. Um, you know, you write back to like, yeah, that's good, write it down, buy a journal, you know, don't come to a fence, you know, just, just write it down, buy the journal. And so we got, so I have devotional mentees. And so, um, <laughs> <laughs> so she was not that. Whatever, I mean, if it took hours for me to pour into her, I, she gave me hours and never used it as a reason to do less in her assignment on the test. She said, well, I guess I'll be up late. Well, I guess I'll have to rearrange that and rearrange this. So that's, I'm saying that because I have a lot to do with how much God releases your office. Mm-hmm. Because if, if you are under a mentor, you are there. You are more than a custodial care. We also have to see if you become a, a wonderful harvester, but a great storehouse of the Lord. Yes. And so she did. We get this. She goes and get this call. I mean, the meanest thing. I said, hey, excuse me? 
And the Holy Ghost said, he said, but that's Satan. Not wanting her to get the breakthrough. That's why you all came here. For you all to get the faith that has denied your family tree. Wow. Okay. Well, not wanting her to get the breakthrough so he doesn't have to give up his harvest for her inheritance. And so, so God will, he will, he will literally put you in a, in a particular inheritance. Now you might, you hear people say, that, you know, I mean, I did okay. You did okay, but you don't know what God had in store. Come on. Okay? And I've watched this. So when she was, even when she was going through, and I mean, she was having just battles trying to, to stay afloat and be independent, Holy Ghost woke me up and said, I'm going to put Ashley in your house. Mm-hmm. I just want y'all to know, don't ask, because that's not a good thing for me. Because I'm a very private, private person. Yes. And she thought, she's extremely private. And so I said, why? He said, she fought for you. She stood for you. I had to bring her under your protection. Yes. Wow. That's good. And she did. That girl, she went through, pushed through, blah, blah, blah. Well, so we get to the car thing, and this is her latest thing, because every car is like, no, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And I said, okay, God said, she she wanted to buy, what, a half a year early? And I said, God said, wait till so much time. So you need to listen to your mentor because they know what to change. Well, who's changing God? Okay? You, who's changing God? Who's changing shit? Who is favorable to God? Who is unfavorable to God? Who will do it if you, okay? So you get a lot of times you all go out and have a difficult time because y'all don't let God save your miracle for you. So you don't deal with the person. You want to deal with somebody who hates God, hates Christians, who kind of problem in church, but they're not going to help you get anybody. Because they get that you all, you can get caught up in vindictive retaliation. So we we went through, you know, she went through that, and he said she fought for you. So I go and I said, okay, actually, it's time to get a car. She goes for the car, and I mean, it's like pushback city. But see, I, I, I'm an old warrior. I've been at this thing a long time. I said, don't worry about it. I said, my word will come to pass. You will have the car, and you will have the best God can give you. He said, no more hand-me-downs, knock-offs, whatever, and it's going to be hers. So she's got to keep her car. Yes. But my, her chief prophet had to push back on the dealer. She said, you will not say that about a woman of God. You will not say that she is a apostle of God, and yes. you will not say that. And I say this to you by the Spirit of God. 
Saints are struggling now because they pushed back and they literally assaulted their their mentors, their guardians, their leaders. That they got it because God doesn't just put you with first and say, "Hey, you know No, He put everything in her life in my spirit. Like mm-hmm. I, that's why I've been telling her. She, she'll tell you every year on her birthday I talk to her. So I'm not. She does. And it happens. I said she left me. Give her what God put in my spirit. I don't think anybody should be your mentor who doesn't know how you got to be who you are and what brought you before them or into their spirit. If you don't have those two things, you've got a problem. The second thing you need to know about being a mentee is that you have to recognize if you are a mentee assigned to someone by the Lord. Now, you can be professionally, you know, signed up, tutor. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about an ingrained mentee. So, so uh, he would talk to me about her. And if you can't, that mentor can't tell you where you're going to end up, what you're going to do, why you're with them, what they're going to bring out in your life, who you are, how it's going to happen, and, and, and then take responsibility for making it so with the muscle of their mouth. Mm. Mm. Talk about that. So I take responsibility and you're not doing that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you right now, I will show off if, I, if you are my charge. I'm going to tell you we agree. Now, if you decide to cut up and go the wrong way, I literally cut you off in the spirit. And why? Because I have nothing to do. I don't need to be dragging through while you try to figure it out. I'm going to wait you figure it out and then you come back and we might be connected. But the purpose of a mentor in Christ is to make sure that that which you came into the, the lineage of Adam with is cut off so you can enter the inheritance of Jesus Christ and to face off with it. See, we keep, because of the magic mentality, we keep treating it as if, because of the magic mentality, that if I wish upon a star and I just say, you know, you've been taught name, claim it, claim it, take it, shake it, take it, come on, somebody. But, but I'm going to tell you, that's not true. What, we often say to people who have trouble life or trouble experiences of the adult, what do we say? The common denominator is you. So we've got to see what's, what has been legitimately, legally assigned, assigned to this field existence. Yeah. That's my job. And I was able to tell her, because she, uh, she's pretty private, so it took a long time for us to get into some things. But I would say that what the Lord is showing me is this is the spirit that just happened with your dad for a moment ago, and this came down from your grandma, this stuff, blah, blah. See, I'm supposed to know that. I'm supposed to know that sitting in the seat that I sit in your life. And so, but that's you, the training and experience. So I'm going to say, so I now know, sometimes I tell her, sometimes I don't. Like some of you all, sometimes I tell them, sometimes I don't. And, uh, or even uh, if I know a, a, a trauma is coming, I tell you, I said to uh, Prophet Norma, who takes care of me on Monday, go let her give you the testimony of how I prepared her for her mom's home go. And how we kept her mom here. How long did we keep her here before we talked? It was about a year. Six or seven years. Now, Hell had already said she was going to die six or seven years ago. And I said, but God said that's not her time. So for six or seven years, we, we, I sent oil to her mom. We prayed over her mom. And all, we went out into a whole lot of things. A couple of times she had some near misses at that time. But when it was time, they're not telling you what, pretty much before? About a month and a half, I said, okay, death has been released to come and get your mother. Your mom needs to get ready. Mm-hmm. See, now, I could have said, well, I can find you, but I am, I collaborate with the Holy Ghost. Come on, come on. I don't overcome him. Right. Ooh, I 
So her mom had been home. She was on dialysis how many times? About seven years. And she went, what, how many times a week? She went three times a week. And I'm telling you, her mother, I, I sent her, um, I prayed over these cloths. Was it the cloth? Was it the pressure? I prayed over She wrapped it on her body every night. Why? I'm not in your life for you to just make me look great. I'm not in your life for you to be my second fetch and one and get. If I do my job right, you want to go and get. And you want to do it. So I said, tell your relatives, your brothers and sisters, this, she's not coming back from this. Pray her out. Pray her a smooth departure. That's what, because we have that. But we are not sovereign over God. Our sovereignty, we're sub-sovereigns in Christ. So we can push back on doctrine, doctrine, but we can't push back on the Lord. And I told her, I said, I saw death come in. I told her how she was leaving. And I said, this is when it came in. This is how it's going to happen. But it's her time because she's tired. Wow. See, we're so selfish. We don't care about the, the fatigue of our loved ones that they're trying to hang on to, please us, be there for us. But how is being there for us when they tied the tubes and can't get out the bed and whatever? So I said, she, your, mother, your mother's fatigued. She asked God to come and get her, to let her go. That's another point of having some muscle in your life, not for somebody that you treated terribly and you want to call them up and say, you know, my mom is passing and you want me to jump through hoops and say, I'm not doing it. Do you have enough power to be that arrogant? Then you need to go ahead on and make it work yourself. Okay? So I don't do it. I'm not that woman. So maybe something. We got a couple dogs. You go to the God that walked you out of there. Because we have, we have made this so abstract and so ethereal, you don't realize it. There are houses, little leaders, God brings you in the house because it's a refuge, because it's a Goshen for you. Yeah. You know? And a lot of us are like, I'm going to go back to Egypt because they got them in the and I'm going to deserve So, we, so we, we've done that, and I've done it on several people. We, we've talked to you about the situation with Sonia and her husband. She was faithful to me. And and there are times that you need to build a collateral in people, even in leaders. You need to build your collateral. Give them a reason to bypass norms. Mercy is God bypassing justice. Superseding justice. Okay, that's what mercy is. And so when you turn around, and, and, and some of you are going to write me, because y'all like to write me some of the three pieces of scripture you know. So, um, well, now, three. Three pieces. But people said, don't, don't make it hard for us to serve you and to cover you. It's thirteen, seventeen. don't make us do it in grudgingly. Because now we'll do it if God forces us. But you'd be surprised if the higher up you get to God, the less he forces you. Because he collaborates with you. You know? And so he then tells you what will be cooperative. So I would say that, even with her, and I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost has been telling me, he said, a lot of them, he said, I need them to go back and fix what they did to my, my, my shoe, to my service. My service lost houses because of their arrogance. My service lost jobs and cars. My service lost standing. My service are waiting late death. Whatever you do, whatever you do to that, that, that person God assigned you to, the consequences they bear will, will cleave to your life. Because as a man's soul, so shall you reap. 
So you saw calamity in the leader's life, you can rest assured calamity is not leaving yours. If you show hard argument, then you're not going to find favor anywhere. But I'm, I'm under the favor of God. So were they. You need to kick. Wow, Jesus. You were under their faith. And they had favor too. It wasn't just the favor in the pew. It's the favor in the pew starts with favor in the pulpit. Come on now, Jesus. In the prayer room. So some of you all, I'm telling you, because somebody right now, you you fasted, you have fasted. You have danced, you have sold, you have done everything on the surface you can do. But God said, but you broke something I wanted to live. I wanted to live. You destroyed it. Some of you shut down churches that God needed because of your arrogance, because of too much television and televangelism. You're, you're, you're liberate. And so the Holy Ghost is saying, if you want me to just go back, you need to go back and fix things. And you need to take gifts. You go back to them. If they lost their home, you need to be a part of helping them get the next one. Because especially if you were one of those who had those own meetings after church, you need to convert to your rebellion. I'm speaking to you apostolically right now because I know how God does things. And because you only know how, how God does church, you can't understand how he does kingdom. And because you don't, you only know how he does church and kingdom, you can't even fathom how he does sovereign. See, God has a duty to everybody, those you love and those you hate, those, you, those that you were good to and those that you hurt. But he has a duty to everybody because he has to keep the scale of justice and balance. So some of you all, you need to send a check. As I speak, you've got to send a check to that person, to that minister. If, if you all got people out of ministry and sold, they were in that community that were supposed to be saved. They were supposed to be coming to God, and you, you so battered that church, it had to shut down, and that neighborhood went to hell. Mm-hmm. How do you think we got it? Right. My God. All of that yak yak and, and gossip gossip and listening to this one and listening to that one, God told you to go and do something for him. It wasn't about what you appreciated or didn't appreciate. It was about you were on assignment by the Holy Ghost to rescue something from him, to keep something for him, to build something for him. God gave you an assignment. And when you stand before him, he doesn't care about what you had, the argument you had in the bathroom, the sister that hurt your feelings. He doesn't care about the fact that you did, you did the thing with him now. When you're at the beam of the cross, he's not going to care. You know what I'm going to say? Yeah, but I installed in you everything you would need to get done what I seek you to do. I put it in you. You decide to divert it to darkness, to divert it to uselessness. I, and, 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 I don't know. You took what God empowered you with for a particular redemptive purpose, and you, you literally got sent it to sin. Now, some of you want you can't go back and fix it. Some of them might be dead. Go do something for kids. But you need to get it on the record that you came to the knowledge of the truth. That you recognize that you could have done it differently. Acknowledge the damage that you caused. And step back and to fix that at least in some way. Let it be known that you took and balanced the scales. You must do that because you want a business, but you taught somebody else's business. You want a church, but you tore down somebody else's church. You want a school, but you literally 
tore up someone else's school. Some of you all stole, and you were supposed to do things that you stole those, those founders' materials. You stole their ideas. You stole that, their inventory. You took it all, and you did it for yourself. I'm telling you, it's like the people who went to get manna on the day God told them not to go seek it. It's going to turn to worms. Yeah. Wow. It's going to turn to worms. Because that, and that is a lot of women's bad teaching. I hope y'all are right. How y'all doing? Social. My, my, my. That's Kenneth and Head. Indeed. Oh, I'm going to go Because you want to know why. See, some of you guys, this is my God, but you told me that you were going to heal me. Yeah, that's before you heard what I needed. You understand, if the enemy comes in, it's because the, the Lord has sold you. Now, why didn't he block it? Right. And some of this you all forgot. Some of this you did 10 years ago, 15, 20 years ago. I did something 35 years ago. And you're like, you can't even remember. I, I can't even remember what it was. But you know what? It's your job to go to God. And if it seems to be, you don't find out why you're not getting healed. Because you don't ask the right question. You go telling God. And announcing how unjust your predicament is. Right. And how unfaithful God is. Can I talk about that? So you go on that list. Somebody hear me. So you go on that list. So you go say, I'm a good Christian. See, you're the public. Okay. I'm kind. See, you're the public. Right. I'm kind and I. Pray and I do this and all. So you go on your good deeds. You don't go on God's wisdom and his and his feet. God, I know that you're a good God. I'm gonna help you out here today. God, I know you're a good God. Lord, I know you're a righteous God. I know that you are just God. I know God that you are merciful. And because I know your character and that you are a, a loving Father, you are a care a caring father, and you are a guardian. God, if the enemy cracked in, you did not create the crack. I did it somewhere, God. I just can't remember where. Help me. I just, I know, because I can't, I, I can't count you with evil. I can't charge you with evil. See, we love Job, but we don't like the, we the only love the part that says what, that, that, what Job thought would come upon him after the thing he said would happen. No, no, no. But Job kept saying, I suffered because my relationship with this man was great. My life was working. Things were happening. And, and he was really rich. And all of a sudden, it came to a screeching heart. And here I am getting a diagnosis that can take my life. I need to know what happened between me and God, not me and the doctor, not me and the pastor, not me and the prophet or the preacher. What happened? Because you saved my soul. You are the one that brought me into your life. I need to know, God, what is between us. I have to know this. And you have to be willing to turn your place down. And you have to be willing to turn off your television and turn off your life. That's right. And put yourself in a place where you can hear like Elijah, that still small voice. Because when you go into the archives, you don't get the small voice. Yeah. See, you know, and so you're going to have to be willing to do that. You all are young and God, and you got your kids mad with them. Some of you all, God's not going to use it because you told your kids it was all right to treat them like trash. He said, well, then I'm done. You took his next generation. Woo! How do you think we got here today? Oh, Jesus. And so you have to be willing. 
Father, and say, you know what, Father, Father, I know you're a good God. I know you're a righteous God. You know, because we, we took Deuteronomy, I believe it's Deuteronomy 32, and we took the house of one chase a thousand and two for ten, two, ten thousand of flags. That's in there twice. But in the beginning, it was about God is like, I can hedge you up so tight, Satan can't even sniff you out. So if he gets through, you need to understand, I have a good reason. A really good reason. Because my initial and my perpetual objective for you is that to bless you and to not curse you, to heal you and prosper you, to give you a future and a hope. That's my fundamental core. But if you decide to put me to an open shame in the plan, some of you all, y'all still did a lot of things that you knew it was wrong, and you know what? Because culture told you it was all right, you let the God of culture turn you from the God of your salvation. This is what God wants. So now, he said, he said come, let us be together. I'm the reason. Right. And why did he say let us be together? He could have said, come, let us discuss it. Come, let us work it out. Come. No, no. He said, come, let us reason together. Come, let me give you a reason. Right. Let me give you my reason. Yes. Don't your sins be as God. So God is not saying, let's reason together so you can talk and into your way of thinking. I know that's how we feel. When we just sit down and talk and into your way of thinking. No, so God can see it my way. God doesn't have to see it your way because he's already on your end. So all of your ways are before him. Wow. Yes. All right. You know, I mean, you think about it, when there was a passage with the, with the prophet said, but the God who owns all your ways, oh, yeah. he owns your ways. Mm-hmm. Come on now. See, this is what we're just stuck, and you didn't want to hear this in good times. In good times, you were in assumption and production mode. Right. Come on now. Okay, now you're ready to fall back on redemption. Come on. You need to go back to the days when God had an issue. David, David literally took years to accept that God had a good reason to be disturbed. Did he not? Yeah. What did he have to do? His whole nation is suffering. They're not getting, because when you're a leader, the whole of your body suffers with you. Just like anything that happens to the head, happens to the body. And David is hard. I mean, he is he is hard in his heart because his self righteousness, his embarrassment, his his determination to just put it behind him, his we call it his uh, race to put it behind. All of that caused it. And it took a long time for David to say, "I killed a man as the sovereign of the land for no reason right. to take his wife." Yeah, I got it. took David a long time. And, and yet he was he stayed righteous in his office, righteous in his function, righteous on the throne. Nathan had to come and bring him a power. To to give him things. He had burned that thing so deep. So deeply in his soul, he had to bring him a power. But there was a guy who had everything, and then there was this one guy who had one little you. And the guy who had everything took the little you. Female, uh, she took it from the God. He said, so what do we do? 
we'll look at it and say, well, gee, I mean, is God that fragile? Is his ego that fragile? Is it, I mean, is he scared that I'm going to be better than him? I'm going to be stronger. Is he scared people going to love me more than they love him? And whatever. I mean, what is it? What's the fear? I mean, why is he so hard and lying on me? Don't you think that was the same thing? Yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, I'm sure he's pretty afraid because he knows that he's going to die. He can look at your body and see the brain right now. He's going to tell I'm sure he's got it on now. Check it in the book. Okay? So, that was it. But, yeah, but, but, but here's the thing that I would like you to consider. God doesn't have an ego issue because he created ego. So you are just an extension of his effective and ineffective sons. His successful and then his uh, flaw. Remember, sin is only sin when God calls it that. Until he calls it sin, there's no judgment on it. That is why the Ten Commandments are so important. Because up until that point, can I just say up until that point, yeah. every, every, anything goes. Everything was okay. Because that, that's the fault that he said, well, I didn't. I mean, until the law came. Right. So until God throws a law on a behavior, on a kind of thought, or anything like that, until then, it is just human weaknesses or flaws or deformities. The law brings in judgment. Yeah. Come on now. Because remember, the law has what? The law has judgment, but it also has what? Torment. So you were already tormented, but you did not know that what you were doing was illegal to the creation. So there are things that are creationally illegal. Wow. And, and, and so why is that a big deal? So, so I'm saying, I'm not having an ego trick, because he didn't have to make it. He could have, I mean, several times he told Moses about my Moses begging to come on, please. You know, I'm something. Yeah. Should I just kill everything? No, please, Moses, I'll be merciful. You know, people are thinking, you can't pull it off. <laughs> so that's not his issue. His issue is that he is working on getting a population that is precisely like himself in mortar or clay form. He wants that population to be his righteousness and to push back on his darkness to preserve this plan. He has other plans. He has other realms. He has other universes and constellations and where they do love. Where he doesn't have that plan, they manage this. So when he's telling you this is you don't want to do this. He's saying there are things that his enemy has invented and contracted and uses to seduce his people into destruction. There are things that demons, you know, that have been born from devils are now trying to elicit human or mortal support and mortal cooperation with. So God is trying to tell you this isn't an evil thing. This is you keeping yourself alive. This is you keeping your life and your environment healthy. This is you protecting your family and your seed down the line. See, God is like, I, I, I buried more of you than y'all, all your sisters together to count. Wow. And you all act the same way. I don't have to change the law because the product keeps coming out the same way. Yeah. All humans start the same way. 
start off the same way. Now, we may modify and diversify and all of that, but in the end, it's still the end. We're going to live, we're going to sin, we're going to get saved or reject salvation and die. But it's not hard to do. So when you think about why God is telling you to behave this way, he's literally giving you his master life. He's telling you, I master this thing. And so my mastery has already told me. We have already written and, and noted every tactic, every flaw, every possibility, what the mind you, the stuff, the common spell will do. Uh, we've got it all. We got this. We understand. We think that we can, t- we can, t- uh, we can write a dot and then sit and say, dot, go around the <laughs> God write a dot and it begins to live. Mm. And it begins to turn into something. And it begins to replicate itself. So these are their principles. When I finished my, which won't be for a couple of years, I suppose, my book on spiritual court protocol, all of this is going to be written because you don't understand. God's feelings are not hurt because sin is rejected. He's already worked that out. You know, he's like, I'm, I'm faster. When he brought, he went silent from came to Seth. Yeah, yeah. He went silent. When he brought Seth back online, he said, okay, I'll work it out. Now let's get this thing. Let's work with what we have. He's the first. Let's work with what we have. Well, wow. Okay, so when you think about it, and he starts telling you, well, you know, that's not going to work, and this is going to help me, and all that, you really think, Wow, God doesn't want me to have any fun. No, God doesn't want Satan to have fun with you. Okay. And now, he doesn't want you to have Satan's fun. Because no matter how much we look at this world and this visible pattern or the visible world, understand that there is a, an invisible world that has been running a long time. All of these, this whole characters in this place, God, devil, demons, angels, they, they are taking a long time. Right. Yes. A long time. Devils can't change. Demons can't change. Humans must be changed. And God changes not. That's the summation of what this is all about. So when he tells you, you know what? That's not going to work out. You say, oh, man, he just in my way again. Well, I can't have it. I just gotta have it. But I'm just gonna sit down and say, say the top like you know the price tag. Because see, when I say that stupid stuff, the price tag is when you call on me, I will not hear you. When you reach out for me, I'm not coming because you have taken your well-being in your own hands against my advice. This is mature redemption. I won't say Christianity because we are the apocalyptic effect and Christians are followers and the effective family. We the family. We are the genetic offspring of the doctrine. Christians are followers of a particular doctrine, etc. So we might have started out, you know, following Christ. Everything in Christ is the event. Everything in Christ. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, yeah. Everything in Christ is just that we are infected. That means that God has every human being, that he, everything he has to spit out of himself. Everything. Every cell, every gene, whatever you want to call it. And then he says, but this is what I want to reproduce after my own time. And he spit out Jesus. This is the totality of my time. 
with everything that comes from me, that, that either meets or exhibits the potential to be conformed to this time, I'm putting in Jesus Christ. Um, Jesus, everything that, whatever, however he thinks, all of, all of that. And it's hard, but you know, devil will have a problem because, you know, he's Christ. And then, like, you know, Satan's like, well, why can't I do that? So without a, a, without a third of equipment, resources, genetic construction, biological, physiological, anatomic makeup, he decides to make himself like Jesus Christ and was starting to realize that, that, that he turned into something else because there was nothing else you could add to the Jesus model. There was no way you could adapt to the Jesus model. It's that confidence. And it started with the confidence of the Almighty, the Father. So he ends up getting the entire antithesis of his maker. 100% antithesis. And realizing that he becomes the adversary. You tricked me. How many times you say to God, you tricked me? Okay? And so when you, when you look at how this thing works behind the scenes, it, is, it just makes good sense to understand what kills and what makes a lot. What kills and what sickens? What builds and what destroys? See, that's a, in God's realm, that's it. And there are all of these other things that we do, you know, with the shades of gray. I don't have the shades of gray. We <laughs> <laughs> didn't have shades of gray. We had been gray until he left the planet. He had light, darkness, did not say gray. He had no gray sky. Because God doesn't have great areas. God has himself and his adversary. That's it. The hardest lesson is to learn the, the, the makeup of the two of them so that you can actually have intelligent, informed choices and, and, and options. Why did you say that we must come to the knowledge of the Son of God? Yes. Why? Because you're born into a world where you're taught from an instance yeah. yep. the Prince of darkness. You can't, you can't make the decision. Is this helpful to you? Because when you start realizing it, you know, well, you know, yeah, it must be nice for you to see things black and white. I don't see things black and white. Although I do know what a black sky looks like and a white sky looks like. I know what a black sky looks like and whatever. But there is gray speaks to church, uh, uh, Transition. Gradually moving from one to the other. That's great. So great is motion. We'll talk about that another time we get in our discussion on time. But you need to recognize that we don't, I don't, but, you know, everything, life is not black and white. No, it may not be. Because God said, I I am light and I create darkness. He had to create darkness. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That's why we're going to have this conversation on the protestational level. So, when you make a decision, you're choosing Jesus or Christ, or you choose, you're choosing his adversary. Those are the decisions, and you need to understand the attributes and the properties of both. So that you can render judgment for Jesus Christ, full of knowledge. And, and understand when the enemy is trying to overlay those judgments or infect your your thought processes with his own so that you do come up with what's 
to turn go by the grace. You know, so because it has to do with both. And, and in the end, in God's world, in the end, it's all God anyway. In the end, when he gets to the end of it, he said, okay, the Omega, here's the big reveal. Omega. This is how I ended this. This is how I wrapped it up. This is how I resolved it. But to think with the mind of Christ, to think like he thinks, oh my gosh. You have a long way to go. And that's what Bible study is supposed to be. Not just quoting scripture and not just running around making everybody, you know, all sound the light on, this, uh, on the Bible and then letting everybody go. It's not that deep. That's why we can keep changing. These people are fighting for the Constitution. They don't want to change it. We've got three amendments. Right. But they're not trying to change it. We have no problem destroying God's word. Disintegrating its truth. We have no problem disintegrating it because we don't understand the world of the author. And until you understand the author, you will not appreciate his world. You know, when I wrote this book before the garden, you all have been going through it for a while. But when I wrote this book before the garden, it had to do with what I wrote in the back, which I think is probably important. Before the garden takes on numerous God, life, death, and humanity issues by walking you through creator God's eternal continuum. Imagine being able to say with certainty that there is an afterlife and what happens when one enters it. Get logical answers to where sin comes from, where heaven and hell are, and how the light and darkness struggle got started. Learn firsthand what happens before this world began. Who is in charge of it all, and who or what is God? Before the garden covers all of this and more, plunging you deeply into the almighty past where it all began. You peer into God's mind on these matters as he viewed them long before this world was created. By unveiling 14 specific events, this book traces life and death, good and evil, deities and devils. The events serve as difficult and practical tests that steer you to the beginning of Jesus Christ and Christianity. These events make up and guard the everlasting continuum that affirms Christianity legitimately and perpetuity, enfolded in the story of Jesus Christ from the Godhead's perspective. We could talk about how Christianity got to earth. That would be nice. Heaven and hell, where did they come from? Why God does not destroy the devil? Why and how, how Jesus was doomed to die and go to hell? Why Christianity is not a classic world religion? Who and what is the Godhead, the origin of war, crime, etc.? And what makes Jesus Christ God and why his, why his death created our salvation? Telling God's story at times unattractively, but always gloriously. Before the garden, God's eternal continuum unsealed the Almighty's history, His way, without glossing over any of its power on any detail. It captures divine and royal experiences to probe the Maker's history and the Messiah's destiny. That's how we're supposed to look at our Bible. Right. That's how we're supposed to want to tell the story. Yeah. We, these questions are asked, but 
because they're answered by fallen angels. Wow. They're answered by darkened minds. And they're answered from the earth up. I would love everyone listening to me today to get this book. Right now. Just everybody get this book right now. And when you get it, pray. Because devils don't want you to read it, so you will get ahead. Your vision will start fluttering. You will have panic attacks. You're going to have all of that. You're going to feel like you want to get up and eat. You're going to get the crystal shrink every time you open the book. Every time you open it, read it, it's going to shrink. You're going to have all kinds of sensations. All of a sudden, your bladder cannot stop collecting water. In short, you're going to encounter a number of physiological sensations and mental irritation to keep you from being able to answer questions that have been deep in your soul for a long time. You know what you would say, Dr. Yes, ma'am. What was your experience when you first started reading? Well, I was like the prophet because, you know, God starts to get finished and start the prophet. Well, first of all, the experience is the fact that the book is amazing and the writer is good. <laughs> you're reading it and you're, you're, you're wrapping your mind around how much we have not known, how much we have not understood, how much we have not been told. You, you know, you're giving your corpus to let me get saved again, let me go down to the water. You know, there's still so going on. You know what I'm saying? Like that book takes you with all of that. Son of man, son of God, do not ask me. Um, but it's amazing, and I so appreciate the way that you reconstructed our ability to understand, as you say, the Bible from God's perspective, the Bible as God's story, because as you already told us, um, what we're experiencing in the church for the most part is people take the gospel from the center of man, their own desires, their aspirations, their lusts, and God becomes objectified and brought down to just whatever they want to make him to be for their sake. But this book really just takes us out of that bondage, out of that deception and delusion, and brings us into the posture of what this thing is really all about for God, and just puts us right back in that alignment that we need. I like it right back into that line. Oh, and, and having said that, the whole idea, if you look at your screen, tells you what it is to know. What is it to know something? Look at all of the words that go into knowing something. See, because much of what we say we know, we think we know it because we heard it. Yeah. Right. So it's hearsay. A lot of what we have about God hearsay. But look at some of the things that it requires you to do. And and I know she, you know, her screen probably might can, cannot get into this. I don't know. But here we go. Explore, acquire, and you have to have an aptitude. aptitude. And you need divine aptitude to understand the the Almighty divine attributes. You need that. What is, it, what is it to understand something? But are you learning and study to see that all of this is that amazing? Because if I were, to, if I were preparing people to learn something, I'd make them look at this 
line, and I meant to give working out and to tell me what each one looks like, requires, and how it behaves when it is peopleized. So this is what it research, realization. We gotta know, but even realization, all of that. But now let's talk about it. I, I've been dancing with God on this subject to talk about. Okay. So I got this off the internet because, you know, as much as we want to say it's the devil, I think Satan wishes he was that smart. Uh, I really do. He just wants to think. So he still let me. He takes credit for what time it is. He steals stuff from people and all of that. That's his way. That's what he introduced into creation. But when you look at your next slide, it says, where there is the tree of knowledge, there is always paradise. So say the most ancient and most modern serpents. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. Satan will always tell, bring you to paradise because he knows that's where he right. that's where he was installed mm-hmm. in creation. Mm-hmm. Come to my tree. My yeah. Come to my tree. Eat of my tree. Oh, wow. And what we said, his was the what? The knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Sometimes people say the tree of knowledge or the tree of evil. But the, it's actually called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Which means that until Adam and Eve ate of that tree, they knew neither. They knew nothing about good. I mean, they knew nothing about evil. And they didn't thoroughly understand good. They couldn't. And when you read Hebrews, which is one of my favorite correlated passages in this, when you read Hebrews chapter 5, is my favorite, uh, and when God gave this whole thing on my soul study and how he wanted me to get it and all of that, bless his heart, I've learned. Um, but when you read it, this is something I want you to never forget, and I have a whole teaching on this in my biblical psychology course, but what um, he said in Hebrews 5, He's talking to the Hebrews. He's not talking to the Gentiles. Because the Hebrews had a long history with God. And they literally have, have this culture and consciousness threaded throughout their entire existence. So, um, but when you go down to, I want to get down to the part that um, is important. Hebrews 12, talking about Jesus. What you need to know about Jesus, because if you read up until 12, it'll make sense. For, for when the time you ought to be teachers who have need that one teach you again. See, God is it's all cyclical. Okay, again, which being the first principles of the oracles of God, which means God's first utterance. All right? And are becoming such as have need of milk and not strong meat. So a lot of times, listen to this, you start out strong in God, and then all of a sudden you can't stand His strength. You can't stand the strength, the strength of the Word. You can't stand the truth. You don't, you know, you can't. Oh, that's harsh. How many times you all said that? That's harsh. Because some of you all, uh, I mean, a uh, 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 once very tender state has become true. I can't swallow it. I can't digest it. You know. So, uh, uh, or you want to go vegan on Jesus? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Vegan, come on, the, the gospel for the vegan. So, right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what the thing is, guys? You can do something else. I need a milk and not a strong meat. 
for everyone that Jesus knows is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a baby. You can tell us how the truth you are in Jesus all day long, but if all you can do is criticize his truth, you're a baby. If all you can do is welcome his truth, you're a baby. If all you can do is leave whenever his truth starts coming against those errant things in your spirit, your errant things in your soul, the flaws of your psyche, yeah. then you're a baby. Because yeah. he doesn't make sense to you. And he doesn't make sense to you because you don't want to exercise his righteousness. It didn't say redemption. It didn't say salvation. It did not say his spirit, the gifts of the spirit. It said unskillful in the word of righteousness. I have a teaching on righteousness that we will be having. I probably got some old ones back there. But the point that I want you to understand is that above all else, and and my soul teachings are telling you, morality is for earth. God has no morality. God has righteousness. What he is, how he constructed himself or not. Morality is popular approval. That's how we got the laws we have. LGBT got through because they altered the population's morality. They made it, they speak to make it moral or immoral. So God doesn't have a moral code. God has righteousness. He has no moral compass. See, morality is that gray area. It could be sometimes good, could be sometimes bad, could be sometimes right, could be sometimes wrong. We need to do a deep dive study of the word righteous, the words righteous and righteousness. Yourself, look it up, and you can understand. You'll see why morality doesn't fit. Now, they threw it in there, but morality is popular approval. The majority says this is a sin, it's a sin. That is the difference between the Constitution that we brought in, that brought America into existence, and the one, the one that it has devolved to as the generations changed, and the Word of God was pulled further and further back from the current culture, altered consciousness. So he says here, for everyone that uses milk is unskillful. And the word of righteousness, you need to look up those words, skillful and unskillful, for he is a babe. And you could even look up babe. And so you want to say, hey, babe, what if I say this? What if I took babe and I used, instead of the word babe, what if I expanded it and said emotionally immature? Psychologically immature. Because that's what he's saying, childish. And so he said, but strong me belongs to them that are of full age. Full age equals mature. Even those who by reason of use have their senses, senses exercised to discern both, not either. We quote this wrongly many times. Both good and evil. Both. This passage, if you just try to, to Wrap your soul around these three passages, you'll find out a lot about yourself. The church has not been using God's righteousness, but they've been abusing it and muting it. And we mute it with morality instead of righteousness. But when somebody 
is building your plan? Does your morality or your righteousness factor into it? Morality is your consciousness and your emotions and attitude. Does it really matter if you want to say plan? Unless you have a belief system that feels like substandard should be used to carry millions of people a day. It's not about, but technically, see, righteousness speaks to the technique and the technology. This is our technology. This is our technique. So righteousness, God is a righteous God because he has a technology attached to his theology. And we are his humanity. Creation is, in fact, God's technology. It is his technology. He has techniques for how he heals. He has techniques for how he made eyeballs. We still try to figure it out. And it takes a whole planet of people trying to figure out how he made eyeballs.
he was so serious, he said, now what way can I use to make this thing pervasive and inescapable? What can I do? And he told you how he did it. We just can pay attention. He said, in the day that you eat thereof, you will surely die. He said, and you will do what? Return to the... For out of it, you were taken. But you're going to return to the dust as a curse. And then the dust that you return to, I cursed. So dirt guarantees the curse. Mountains made of dirt. Picks up sand made of dirt, which is why we have to purge and purify, etc. So they can talk all the. See, I listen to that. But once you get your, once you really get your eyes open, you begin to listen to it and look at what God said. He said, but. You can tell me all day long, I don't believe in an afterlife. Until you can tell me how you die and live, you can't talk to me. You know nothing. Because the thing you want to defeat the most, you can't. You can't curse the dirt because the dirt is, is, where, is where the instrument came from. And he started telling me different. I started watching the science show and said, oh, yeah, we, 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 got the, we pulled this off the rock that came from the water. We put the fire on it and left the dirt. Curse the dirt. The water is dirty. Everything stinks because it's cursed. The curse stinks. And it causes stench. Oh my God. Yes, yes, we have. Right, I'll take you. No. The beautiful explanation is the function. You took that shower three days. Because he cannot 
use it in his crowd anymore. That's why he has to die. Because he, he only had two places for when his people get out of the body. Three, if you count the animals going back to the dust. You can't use it. I said to someone, and I will say it again, to my beloved theologians, my beloved scholars, I will say it a hundred and one times. The human that we are right now celebrating is born dead. The minute Jesus got into Mary's womb, he died. When the sperm of his father joined that egg, he became mortal. And because we don't teach it that way, people are playing with their foundation as if it doesn't matter. And pastors are telling you, you're saved because you say so. Just believe your prayer. No, 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 no. Trust me. If you're going to be saved, you're going to bear the fruit of foundation. If you're not saved, then you won't. Unless, of course, you apostatize as Pastor Mona said, you become a boy on the backside of the Holy Spirit. And you know, God, he gets rid of borders. So you have to recognize people do not go to hell as we say. People's souls are products of hell. And they have to go and they have to either allow God to change the life, the life force. Because the life force of the Almighty has been downgraded, denigrated by the life force of the serpent, who was always mortal, always dead. The reason he's in that tree is because he's dead. Otherwise, he's in some place else. The reason he walked around and told him to come to the tree, he hung out, put a little butt there, put him out, look at little mic, little mess, and I'll tell him, come on, he's ready to come back. I love him. So he's dead because he's smart. Now I want to talk to you about that because because we have to understand as God's people you can't reign if you don't understand. What are you talking about? We reign. We don't reign. I promise you, we don't reign because how do we get this mess we got with no Biden in the White House? Your next slide. Did you did you see? It's taking its time back somebody. They're going to be here somewhere. There it is. Okay. There it is. So if you look at it, we've got in the bottom, Adam and Eve at the tree. So we make it seem like he was in for the church of one up Yeah. He had a precinct. Yeah. He had a facility. Right. And so they could, they could, Adam ruled it. He knew he ruled it. Many times, I, I love it when I hear my beloved brothers talk about he did it. No, he did it. <laughs> No, no. Adam failed to protect Eve. Why? Because that serpent was in that garden before Eve was brought forth. While he was naming every creature, that serpent was chatting and talking to and doing what he does, goading and, and, and trying to subdue Adam. Oh, yes, you got that different. So Adam didn't subdue that serpent before he was created. Come on now. Okay. So that means that Satan was wheeling 
Okay. He had the school. Correct. He just told her not to do it. And she said, well, no, we can eat the tree of every tree of God and accept the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We cannot eat it, nor, show, nor can we touch it. Lie. First lie. Because he didn't tell him not to touch. He said, don't ingest it. So you, she could have rubbed herself down with some leaves and that crap. <laughs>
you can see that the seraphim were more like dinosaurs. When you look at them, they had arms and legs and, and, and whatever and tail. So he, he was, that's, why, that, that's why the dragon look is impressive to them because it takes him back to before God took his legs and his arms and then his, his tail is his only extended body part. So everybody, everybody got to be a vet man. And <laughs> everybody, they tell me, I don't know, I think I remember reading it years ago that there are um, leftover markers of the serpent having been more of a dinosaur. So that's why you see you love dinosaurs. That's what the whole draconic thing is all about. So God said, you won't want me to, you're not going to be able to eat those fruits. You won't be able to eat the trees and all that like that. you got to eat dirt. Right. Huh. Oh. 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 So now, fast forward to Jesus, walks. And if you go to the next, um, you look at the screen, whenever the screen decides to do what it does, um, you're going to see walks. Now, I went just to did a simple research of business, phenomenal um, search of walks. And what we have is, we're going to put them up there. The whole, the whole sex love thing shows in wolves. Yeah. Like, and we, you know, Casanovas. We all know what those are, right? Yeah. Okay? And then, you know, we got here Romeos. We got womanizers. Yeah. Because Adam, it looks like a Eve, literally subjected women to men in ways God didn't have in mind. That's why he said you know, in our greatly multiply your sorrows. He didn't say and. He said, I will greatly multiply your sorrows. In, did he not say that? And in pain, you will what? Bear the truth. So you're talking about, I can't even help it. I'm going to get pregnant no matter what. Because God is like, that would have been nice if you were able to manage all these birth control things. He wouldn't have ever had this problem. Because they, they would have lived like the Almighty. They would have, okay, so it's time to reproduce. But see, they have, with God, you always have to defeat the enemy or the person in your suit. So Adam had to defeat the serpent. Had he done so, then this would be an entirely different creation. We wouldn't have cursed birth and all the things going on. And, and, and Eve would have decided when she wanted to get pregnant and how it would be. Okay, we have philanderers, we have consumers. Wolves, I'm sending you out as wolves. Consumers, they are consumers. We have vultures, people who just want to flip, just run. We have gobblers, we have devourers, we have guzzlers. We have guns, addictions and, and substance abuse. We have eaters and gorgers. We have scoffers. We have gulpers. We have threats. And we have hunters. And we have predators. So I'm sending you all out with this. And the passage is Matthew 10, 16. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as dust. So 
when you say this, a lot of the, because of the whole either or, uh, you know, doctrine pattern, we, you know, either serpent good, serpent bad. Snake good, snake bad. But God, this creature had a pre-earth existence, pre-earth life. So I'm going to quickly run you through it so that you can see it. And here we are with our famous word clouds. So when he says be wise and serpent, so let's talk about really, if you look up, just for those of you who want to remember, G3789, open is the word for snake or serpent. Or you can look at H5172, Nikosh, which, uh, and, and this person here is a sister of magic spells. And then we have in Isaiah, they talk about fleeting or fugitive serpents. But if you notice, based on what the knowledge was, the knowledge of good and evil, anybody hear what I'm just about to tell you? Knowledge, this is the knowledge that was in that truth. Uh-huh. How to maneuver God or hack creation. Jesus. Magically use or distort God's creation. So when he talked about why the serpent, we got a prediction and practitioner, what is that? The, the opposite or the opposition to prophecy. Fortune teller, which is actually decree of wealth and blessings. Python spirit, divination, progenitor, devil, and they have this uh, a life experience observer. I thought that was interesting. Satan as the devil, snake, in scripture, Nehushtan as Moses' brazen serpent, a genealogical demon, genealogical demon, wow, H5175 serpent, a spellcaster, believer in omen, divine enchanter, emblem of cunning wisdom, and special spirit and observer of prime importance. Now that's a serpent in the garden. That is, in a nutshell, the knowledge of good and evil that he wanted them to buy into and consume. Is that amazing? Yeah. That's shocking. So then, if you were, if I were you, my next question would be, the International Standard Version calls it the shining one. So you know he was radiant, he was brilliant, illuminated. And then on the other side, we have a dignitary enchanter. So I would say, well, then God, why would God tell us to be wise as this? Because all of this was what is the antithesis of what God created and designed. Mm-hmm. Okay? Familiar spirit versus family of God. Isn't that wonderful enough? Angel versus devil. When we talk about the form that he took, again, seraphim. The, 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 the fiery one, the work is offered. And so we can go on. And, and, and you know, we got astrology. Everything is in here. So let's go to the next one, because I think this is important. So then, when he says something, the devil was more cunning. You see, cunning is in blue. More cunning. Now, what does that mean? Because this, the idea of the serpent is just a creature. But cunning, he said, why the serpent and why the 
So the first thing is crafty, a crafty counselor. A crafty counselor. Does that craft have to be wicked? Or does it have to just simply be strategic? True. Cunning. Clever. Prudent. Be wise. Prudent. We're going to get there. Scheming. Shrewd. Smooth. Archetype or archive. The archetype of the archives of creation. So, guileful. Um, Hebrews 6191 Aram and Strong's 8, um, it should be 8, yeah, Strong's 8, 6175. But look at the rest of it. Subtle dealing. In other words, we're so loud and braggadocious. We're so bold, we got to let everybody know what we're doing. What did Jesus say? Don't let your right hand know what you left. Okay? He told us that. He told us to be discreet, He told us to be secretive. But what do we have? We have this last one. We had all of these huge sermons and these huge conventions telling everybody about the gift of the Spirit, the moving of the Spirit, how the Spirit works. We had a And we invited Babylon to our secrets. And Babylon said, thanks, we'll be using this in the future. You'll be hearing from us today. He said we must be sneakier than the serpent. Okay? Worry. We aren't worried about anything. You know, aware of that. But we're not wary about anything. We're just like, oh, yeah, but God's got it. God will tell you. You have all these people who are voting for silly things simply because they feel what God can do it. First of all, that is the most immature statement and immature conception you can have of God that he's just going to, for the sake of what, what you see with your little finite mind and your little temporal world, that he's going to alter that because you don't want to believe. Because you didn't want to, because you don't know how to discern both good and evil. And if we have intelligence, well, remember, we've had years and years of teaching telling us intelligence is a no-go in Jesus Christ. He's the logo. But intelligence is a no-go. I'm there. Expert, and would you believe Matthew? Now, we want to say, and I'll have to say this, we, it, it would be nice. Isn't it wonderful that we can say that's not Jesus? But it is. How did the Almighty stay on top? How does he still outwit the enemy? Jesus is trying to get replicants of himself. That we can call a devil a devil and not feel like we have to go into bed and hide. That we can recognize that the devil is using a ploy, we can identify the ploy and come up with countermeasures that keep God in, in the forefront. Instead, we succumb to it. We, I mean, you're talking about we got prophets in this land, the trained prophets that took them to shamans and astrologers and took them to, to devils and to witches to train them. To defeat who? They did not take them for to defeat the devil. How are you going to go to that class and train everybody and then say, okay, now you're going to be? No. They were sellouts and they took people, young, eager, enthusiastic newcomers, to darkness so that they could destroy the light by pretending, as Satan does, to be ministers of righteousness and angels of light. Well, we need to know that. So when you start looking at somebody coming, I'm preaching like you. Uh-uh. I, they, they, they cannot tell me that. I'm looking for fruit. Yeah, right. 
I'm looking for the sound. I'm looking for Jesus Christ. Why? Be wise as serpents. We took everybody's word for it. And here we are. Is that common? We took everybody's word for it. And so, in understanding subtle, the downside and the upside are here, but we need to know it all. You know, God was without made Jesus know everything. Moses has to be the one trained in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. Daniel trained in all of the writings of the Chaldeans. See, we are doing it wrong so that you can't discern when your adversary is masquerading as a friend or advocate. But I think we should change this. But, and then it's prophets that did Prophets who learn how to do it. Yeah. Get your bill. Send your bill. Now, we won't be able to do it today, but I need to encourage you to read page 130 of Before the Garden, and I'm going to read all the way over to 132. Uh, even more than that, the first heading is going to be Satan's banishment, heaven's exaltation. The next one is going to be the effect of heaven's great war, which I think is awesome. And then the next one is days of Noah. All right? All the way to the end. So you're going to read the... 1.30 all the way to the end of the chapter. And you're going to do this because we need to understand that what the prophets who wrote God's scriptures knew, how they thought, what they learned, and what they were taught is nothing compared to what, I mean, uh, everything. And what we learned is nothing compared to it. They literally had the mind of Christ. They were brought into the mind of Christ. Isaiah was brought into God's world where he could say, what was me? I am undone. And God didn't let him walk in the world. He snapped him up by his head. You can tell the Lord has some issues. <laughs> <laughs> he snapped him up in the head and said, okay, come up to heaven. He kind of known around a little bit, so when he took John up, he wasn't snapped by the head. Thank God. So he and John were friends. But I, if we're going to bring this back, then we're going to have to explore why God said, be wise as serpents. And when you look at wolves, wolves are false teachers, wolves are false preachers. When you look under the scripture for wolves, it is important that you understand this because uh, if you don't, you're not going to be able to do the things God needs you to do because right now, we are in a love, love, love thing. So we just love everybody. We just love everybody. No? And so everything is about we got to love people. We got to hug them. We got to make them feel good. No, no, because devils use human bodies. They use human forms. They, 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 they do. They shake this. Yeah. Somebody will hear what I do. Yeah. But they do. They shake shit. And we think they don't. They turn out showing up in other things. And they do it. On, on purpose because they really want us to understand it. So when you think about it, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to end on this note because I think it's time out for us being prophets and, 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 and calling ourselves prophets, and yet we can't profit God. The word to be a prophet, P-R-O-P-H-E-T, is meant to profit 
in my kitchen and the Lord kept saying, but I need you to understand that mentorship means that you want to be that, but that you have that you have a full agreement. If you have areas where you have to, yeah, but I'm not my mentor, but I'm doing this over here, and I'm doing that over there, and I'm doing this, and you haven't even mastered what your mentor is supposed to do before you start diversifying and, 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 and valuing it, then you're not a mentor, you're a tutor. You're just being tutored. Because you, you, you're not following guidance. You don't want to suffer the pains of the mentor. You should never have a mentor that you don't want to suffer the pains of because you have to appreciate how people got the way they were. When you read people's stories like you and you all, when you read the stories, they tell you about how hard it was and how difficult it was and how they learned this and they learned that. They don't, they don't walk away grudging and resentful. I know the people that I can say are fooling because they stop criticizing eventually. They stop whining. They stop being, they stop being begrudging. So you want to make sure that you want to be that mentor. You want to make sure that you want to obey. You may not want to obey. You may just want to, you know, I just want to pass through. I just, that's fine. But that's, uh, for me, now, I don't know, I mean, because right now, faith is downgraded so many words that you don't even know what bathroom is going to be called next week. Because how many you keep changing words? But, <laughs> isn't that the truth? Yeah. Because he keeps downgrading words. But when they thought about mentor earlier, you never wanted to leave that person's spot. If they opened their mouth, you were going to be there. That's why the apostles became the apostles. Because they were with Jesus all the while he went in and out among us. And the only time they separated is when he sent them off. Yeah. Many of you, you, you should not have a mentor who, who does not have the, the faculties or facilities to turn you into what God ordained you to become. If they don't think like you, that doesn't make them wrong. That they don't think like you, if they don't approach life the way you do, they don't have your, your, your at least two to three levels uh, beyond your skill set and beyond your ability. If they are equal to you, one and one, and all of that, that's not a mentor. That's a companion. That's a buddy. Now, mentorship may include all of that, but I, just, I, I keep saying that I'm going to go back and deal with that because many times, the person that you walked away from, you think you ought to be warm and fuzzy with your mentor, you think you ought to be in love, you think you ought to do nothing but have fun and, and, and relax and recreate. No, no. Real mentors get on your nerves. Real mentors are going to crush your ego. And the reason that the question is because it's that very ego that's keeping you from becoming what you're supposed to be. There you go. <laughs> I'm telling you, if you if you're waiting to feel good, a mentor a mentor it doesn't have to be a nurturer. Wow. Oh. They need to be an instructor. They need to be an informer. They need to be a breaker, maker, shaper. But they don't have to be a nurturer. They don't have to babysit you. Your mentor is supposed to confuse you because they know more than you do. It's when the, when the confusion lifts that you know you're being transformed. And in the beginning, you're only reformed, and you're mad about that. But eventually, you must become transformed. Your mentor is not supposed to make you feel like you are on a vacation all the time. When you go on the road with your mentor, you're not supposed to act like you are equally vacated. If your mentor has to chase you down or to give you information and they have to do all of that, trust me, that's not a mentor. You actually want an advisor, a counselor, or a tutor. You don't want a mentor. 
Because you don't want to be like them. You just want to siphon off from them. You want to take from them. And that's important. And you all listen to me because some of you all, you did your mentor dirty because you went and you followed a babysitter or you followed somebody who was a promoter for you or you followed someone who would present you. You did not want to become what you are, so you walked away. But let me tell you something. You will never, ever have a mentor and stick with a mentor if you're not serious about who God called you to be. If you're not serious about it, any voice in your ear will do. Hey, one more statement and then we're done. This speaks to um, what you mentioned earlier regarding the vessels that Satan is able to use and function through to do his bidding. Um, how do you, is there a difference between those that he uses, those that are bred as seed of king versus those that sell out, uh, you know, they, they leave Christ and they uh, work for him instead? Well, you talking about the difference between uh, the king, the, you know, who is the origin of paganism, etc., and the apostates. Is that right? Well, I think, well, I guess the way I interpreted it was, well, so multidimensional, but, um, like, false prophets, or, you know, at one point they were true, but now they sold, they sold themselves mm-hmm. out to the enemy. No, false prophets were not automatically true. That's why they remained false. So they were born false. They are born false. Okay, so they, they came from the seed of Cain originally. They came from the seed of Adam. Well, yes, without being saved. Yes, they were not saved. And then, so when Jesus, I mean, the false, that's why when Moses came, true prophets or true prophetic entered the earth's seed. Because until then, Balaam and that model was it. The demons were the voice of prophecy. What they wanted for humanity is what was spoken what they passed on in different regions, every different region of, you know, precincts and locations. That's probably because, yeah, yeah. because, yeah, I heard another teacher teaching from apostles claiming that false prophets mean at one point they were true. No, let me tell you something. That's like saying a fallen pastor was one time, come on, no, the human, all that is sin that comes short of the glory of God. I was told that when I first entered the prophetic too. And God said, well, that's not true. That's a lie. He said, because, but then again, that's that evangelical, everybody's wonderful, God is love, you know, that's that kind of ilk. No. All the sin comes short of the glory of God. The handoff between Balaam and Moses is the interest of true prophetic as an institution. Now, we have true people, but people, the people didn't know the truth. How would they know? Because there was no, no way to, te- to separate the lie from truth. When Moses came on, he brought the law. He brought the, all that. Then now people can say false is false and true is true. And Moses gave us the profile, and he gave us the attributes of a false prophet and a true one. And then we come down with all of the rest of you know, uh, Abraham and, and Samuel being the next real institutional one, and from Samuel, David, and we go on. But until Moses, all of them were false. Because true has got to have a truth. And if there's no truth, then what is your measuring? What is your, your, your measuring stick? Going back to that mentor piece. About your mentor does not have to be a nurturer. Something rang out in the spirit. When you said that, because we, and especially as female mentors, easily fall into the mommy expectation mm-hmm. with people of, if you're going to mentor me, then you have to mother 
make or nurture. And so if that element isn't, is that like warm and fuzzy element is not active and in the forefront of the dynamics, it's easy to go tilt as it may be. If that's what you're expecting or needing or wanting, trying to fill another deficit, trying to right the wrong, maybe with your relationship with your mom or whatever. Um, and plus it doesn't really help that so much in the body of Christ is spiritual mother and fathers and all these people parenting you all over the place. So anytime you come to a development role, it automatically has to go into a parent-child uh, dynamic. Yeah. Where with mentorship, when you said that, I just thought, how many people really just can't be right if they're corrected or tweaked or straightened out too many times in a row without having one of these moments uh, to make sure, but, you know, I mean, I still love you, right? But I'm just saying these ten things need to be upgraded because this is actually the purpose of the dynamic is for, let's just say you, to get myself or whomever else to a particular place in life, in God, in the kingdom. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were... I worked for you for probably a good 10 years before this element of our relationship began to take shape. But it was a good decade of trying testing, you making sure I'm going to be around. Let's start with that. You making sure I was going to be around and that I didn't get it twisted once we're together. And so there was a lot more of instructions and it took like 10 years to get to the collaborative, the beginning of collaboration to what people see now was, whoa, my goodness, that had to be earned for years and years and years and years and years before coming to anything close to this. And I think that's fair saying because when you do come into something and you see the end result of the product, you really don't know the paces that you have to go through and then uh, not even understanding. And, and a lot of times, like Dr. Price would say things to me uh, that they were all true, but she would say them in such a way that would try my nerves and push my emotions and just crush me on powder or really set me on fire to see if I was mature enough to be hot on the inside but still do my job not punish her for doing her job. The style and treatment, oh, you call me, uh, well, you know, we, I'm trying to think how far I've got yet, and all of those other games to see, okay, so every time I do my job with you, or you want to be off the grid, or you're going to be emotional, or you're going to give me the style and treatment when you come into my house. Yeah, I'm going to do the job, you know, I think, you know and, and all of these other things are going to be conveniently busy. And I don't see you for five days in a row and even blame the job for the job. You get, well, no, it's only you told me to do that. And all these games and immaturities and juvenile responses, I mean, up like two years of that training and testing before we could come, like I said, into a partnership or a collaboration. She's one of the same. And I told her, I said, I said, I'm going to tell you right now, like I say things to her, I said, you're done with my cry. I'm not going to cry. I'm good. I don't need you to cry. And you know why? Because okay. the environment we're going to be in is hard. Okay. Wow. So if I don't train you to buck up and to be fortified, I can just I can put grit in your gut, you know? And so I had to do that. And so, but then over these later years, everybody, because of the training in the body of Christ, which I intend to stop, everybody comes and say, Mom, 
And they do that so they don't have to use your title. They do that to disarm you. And they do that to make sure that I understand they're allowing me to speak into their life. I don't need to talk into your life. Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. And that's all she's right. It took her a long time. God told me she was going to be a daughter. And it still took a long time for me to call her daughter. I was okay. like, no. Because, and I, and I realize now that they come on that mommy thing, I'm telling every mentor out there, cut it. Because they're not going to yield. They want to be babysat. They want to be tended. They want to be pat on the back because if their motives are pure, they'll wait to earn that rank. They're waiting to earn that status. So they start doing it. I'm like, I'm never doing that again. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I'm on Facebook right now because I can say, don't even try it. <laughs> you understand the baby in your womb doesn't say, I'm the baby, I'm not you, my mommy. You have to say, I'm, you, you, you got this kid this month old. You have to say, mommy, baby. Because we don't do that. So, do we, I mean, you have to train them and everything. But I'm telling as mental, that's another thing. That whole is forcing that familiar thing in everything. Do you realize that when Jesus literally started to bring his relationship with his fact, he said, first he said, I'll call you servants. Mm-hmm. Then he said, I'm going to call you disciples. Sure. Then he said, I'm going to call you friends. And then after Paul, do we get to Paul that we call the son. Mm-hmm. So we first just servants. You just, a servant does not know, you know, what a servant's got to do the job. And we, you know, I'm learning all of us because you never stop learning. We're coming to a point where we have to say, you, I need to know if you can serve. Because I'm telling you, I've watched this thing all these years, and it's the servanthood that disqualifies men too. They got a servant, they're done. I'm sorry, I got a life. I, I, I'm not going to be your boss. I'm not going to obey you. Servanthood is where it begins for a reason. Paul was a slave to God, to Jesus, for a long time. But if you look at the, the, the transition, transition, we started serving. Yeah. And after that, we are disciples. Right. And then after that, we they come, watch and see, okay, now I'll call your friends. I'm going to leave. I mean, you know, you're not serving me, Chinese, like five years. And you know what? You did what? That's why God is. You know, and she said, okay, but this life is not to me, but I need to have the heart of a servant. And to have the whole thing. And she, and Dr. Price, say, I don't know what you do. Mm-hmm. She said, because I need to be authentic. I don't need you trying to live up to a checklist. Now, of course, I always have position descriptions, job descriptions. But as far as those conversion elements, mm-hmm. a lot of that was, I don't know, you will come saying the right thing. You'll have to say, it would be honest. Having one look, like, oh, yeah, that's it. I'm thinking I'm talking. No, listen. Oh, yeah, it's working. And she's like, oh, no, I heard you just had six months ago when you said this and this. And I knew you were changing turning when you weren't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the point that you all have to know, too, is serving here as servants is that if you can't serve who God gives you, you can't serve God. Now, you want to say you will, but as soon as something happens in your life that you don't like and God won't explain himself, you marry him. You don't repent. You stop serving him properly. The first place that you get to, to retaliate is in your service. When you're one of those people, I'm not, you know, you're not going to come. You're not going to come on time. You're not going to do your paper on time. You're not going to pick up this. I can't ask you to do anything menial. You can't even think menial because you're too busy trying to get in this seat. So, but when, when, it's, when it's serious, when you are really that person, and I've, I've seen a lot, 
I have seen mentorship dies on servanthood. I've watched it 38 years. And you're hard-pressed to tell me that's not it. And the one way to bypass it is that I'm going to call you mommy. You're going to be mommy. I don't know how you treated your mother. I don't know how to, but I've known something else. Everybody in my organization who had a problem with servanthood didn't stay in the program. Because they are there to, I've never seen it, because if you can't serve, you can't stand. Because serving requires a humility. So, and, 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 and people don't want to serve, they have all kinds of tactics. We'll talk about that when I talk about serving here. But because, see, there are people who, who do things for you, but they're not serving. So, so those are people who are doing you favors. So you have to know that. And so I'm watching. And I made in my mind, I said, no, I'm not old now. I don't have to pretend I don't have to play games or whatever. Yeah, I'm a, And so... <laughs> but the people who argue about serving and you got to call them and, and I'll do this but I won't do that I am not having that discussion with you anymore let everybody be clear let it all be known if you are called to greatness you will humble yourself because it's for honor it's humility servanthood is a requisite for God to take you seriously as a future as a future leader or promotee it's a requisite for honor it's Humility, servanthood is where your ego is going to have to go through, but it must go through to sustain where you are headed. And so I've had it. I'm telling, and I don't care who it is. But I'm telling you, when they look like they, you know, all of a sudden they want they want the parts before they learn how to to serve. All of a sudden they want the position. I'm I don't want to do I'm saying this. I don't know who you are, but you are starting a ministry. I know it, and I'm looking at you right now by the Holy Ghost. And you're starting a ministry with friends, and that's going to be a problem because you want that ministry is going to turn over three times because you are a good friend. You're going to have to discover how to go from being a good friend to a mentor, and you're going to have have them push back on you, and you're going to swear you need these people, and you're going to swear that without them you won't make it. I'm telling you, before honor is humility, theirs and yours, and you're going to have to learn how to replenish and replenish and replenish and replace over and over again, because that's what happens in these positions. You've got to get good at recognizing the problem, bold enough to remove the problem before it becomes a response that you can't get over, an infection, and then you're going to have to be able to replenish. And I'm hearing, I don't know who you are, but the Lord is saying, be very careful about who you lend your mentorship mantle to. There are times that you can just allow people to serve. They can be helped. But be very careful, because in all of these years, I have found out that not a lot of people want to be mentored. They just want to have access. And you're going to know the difference between those who are looking for access and advantage and opportunity. And that comes at the end of it. But anyhow, we had a good day. Thank you for hanging with us. Um, And I tell you, I'm closing part, every leader out there, human made to death. However way they treat your fruit will tell you how genuine they are about becoming what you want to produce. However way a servant, a student, a mentee treats your fruit will tell you what they feel about what you're trying to produce in them. So if, they, if they're constantly balking and pushing back and all of those things, they don't understand. 
there's a whole, there's literally a knowledge and comprehension gap that you're going to have to deal with. But when you listen, but they're always criticizing of the, the, the people over there, they're always complaining and whatever. Trust me, they will not be a good mentee. Because they think they're your equal, but they also think that they're superior. And they're too superior to have to be bothered with the underlings. So they think your fruits are underlings. They think your fruit are rot. They think your fruits are inferior. I don't want to be bothered with the staff. I have people, I need to say this, but I'm sorry. I'm not going to work through your staff. But I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. I'm in the middle of 57 pages. You can wait six months, I'll be all right. <laughs> Or you need to get to the person who can get to me and get my attention. So I'm telling you, listen to me, leaders, listen to me, because a lot of our sorrow came from us not watching and paying attention to these cues. And I'm giving you cues. Go back and listen to this section again and again. If they complain about your product, then they don't want to be your product. They don't like your, your, your leaders. They don't like how they said it because they assume that these people are not working for the program. This has been my hardest lesson over the last several years because you, we tend to want more for people than they want for themselves. Mm-hmm. We tend to want them to succeed more than they want to succeed. And so we, that's a hard lesson, and it's a good lesson. And, I, and if this speaks to you, hey, let me know. Tell me, um, you know, give me your comments. But I'm telling you, the minute we stop acting as if we're doing them a favor and we start letting them know that they need our favor, this will all end. Hey, we're going to be leaving you today because, you know, I'm on fire today and I don't want to keep you here all day, but we'll leave you hey, Sunday at the Congregation of the Mighty, we're talking in the main sanctuary, and you'll be coming to the embassy. And pastors are sharing this, share it, share it, share it. The things that I gave you that were instructional, make sessions out of it, make learning sections out of them, or at least use them for mentoring moments. That's what I fell into today, a couple of mentoring moments. And so it seems. Rachel, I'm going to hand it up on the screen. Um, so to see, uh, based on what I said, and, you know, the transaction is when you get, when you get something from someone spiritual, heaven's currency says you should reciprocate with something material. That's Bible. So, hey, I'll see you Sunday at the Congregation of the Mighty Word. I'm Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.